0: This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm your host, Mac Pritchard. I'm also the founder of Max List. It's a job board in the Pacific Northwest that helps you find a fulfilling career. Every Wednesday, I talked to a different expert about the tools you need to get the work you want. Find Your Dream Job is brought to you by Top Resume. Top Resume has helped more than 400,000 professionals land more interviews and get hired faster. Get a free review of your resume today. Go to maxlist.org topresume top resume. You meet with a hiring manager. You feel good about the conversation, but a week later, the employer tells you somebody else got the job. Lorraine Rises is here to talk about what to do when you're getting interviews, but no offers. She's a coach, a podcaster, and the founder of Career Uprising. Her company helps professionals change careers, launch a job search, and overcome age bias. Lorraine joins us from Northern Virginia. Well, let's jump right into it, Lorraine. We're talking about what to do when you're getting interviews, but not offers. What's the number one reason... Uh, you see candidates that leads employers not to offer the job to someone. Are job seekers making a mistake here?
1: Yeah, I think that it's really important for candidates to approach a job interview with the right mindset. Mindset is key in in everything in life, but very much in in a job search and in an interview. And it's important, I think, to recognize that when you're not getting Interviews, that's a separate problem with a separate solution than when you are getting interviews but not getting offers. So, something when that's the problem, something is going wrong there in that conversation. It could be in terms of how you are coming across, it could be how you are answering the questions, uh, it could be something specific in your answers. But the bottom line is the employer is not getting something from you that they are looking for. We're missing the mark somehow. And sometimes that comes from your experience and your qualifications. Sometimes it comes from just how you uh, present yourself and how you show up in that interview. Sometimes it's just a matter of your confidence as well. So I think it's important that As a job seeker, you understand the things that an employer is looking for and that you recognize where you personally might be going wrong or might need to improve your interview performance. Uh, Like I said, it could be your confidence. It could be your job qualifications, or you could have the the qualifications, but you're not answering the questions in a way that clearly demonstrates that you have the skills to solve the problems. That the employer needs solved in this position. I think that's the first place to start is kind of diagnosing where are we going wrong in that interview process? There's a missing link somewhere.
0: What can you do before you walk into the interview room um, to get ready? Because you obviously you could do a postmortem afterwards and think, well, what what went wrong here? You're not a mind reader, but what can the candidate control before they walk into the interview room? What what what's the number one step they can take to increase the likelihood that they're going to get an offer?
1: Of course. I think the important thing is of course to prepare and most people will go into an interview process preparing, but I also don't want you to over prepare. There is a such thing as over-preparing for a job interview because we don't want to come across as scripted in our responses. We want to be confident. We want to be authentic, and we want to be able to simply tell our story and show evidence of our skills with very specific examples. So one of the first things that I tell clients to do when you are preparing is to brainstorm I would say at least three to five really specific career stories that demonstrate some of your best skills and most relevant skills for that. Position. So uh, I like to call these um, career stories or kind of just little nuggets that you can share in a storytelling format. Uh, and we, there's a lot of different formats out there for my team and I. When we're coaching clients, we use car challenge action result. So you share what is the challenge of that situation? what is the action that you took personally, and what was the result? And be very specific in the result because that's what employers are looking for. They don't want generalizations. They want specific examples. So I encourage clients to be a storyteller and prepare ahead of time several career stories that demonstrate major wins and successes, but also sometimes our failures and our lessons learned. I think it's important to prepare those as well. But, uh, in your preparation, it's also important to know when to stop, when to prepare and when to say, okay, I'm prepared. I'm going to go in and I'm going to be conversational and simply tell stories from my career rather than scripted answers that can often differentiate somebody who is very relaxed and very confident and somebody who goes in a little bit nervous um and not truly performing their best
0: so most people will have many experiences they can draw on to tell their stories about their careers How do you pick the best, your top three, Lorraine? uh, What strategy do you recommend candidates follow who are getting ready for an interview to pick the three stories that are going to matter most to the employers that they're meeting with in that conversation?
1: That's a great question because it is really important that any examples that you share are relevant to that job. So make sure you study the job description, but also perhaps if you've done any networking or have any connections at that company, you might be able to get insights as to what matters most to that employer. So it, it make, you need to make sure that you have done your research and you know this job and you know this company as best you can before you go in because that's gonna enable you to pick the best stories. But for most cases, I would say, You want to think like an employer. What what do employers want to know? They want to know bottom line results. So for the job you're interviewing for, what are the type of results that somebody in that position would be expected to bring? For example, is this a sales position? So are you expected to bring in revenue or perhaps retain customers? you would want to share those examples. If not, what is it that you are doing? Are you doing quality control? Are you managing people? There's a lot of different ways that um, you can impact a business. So make sure you know exactly what those ways are and you have examples of those that, that would be relevant to that employer. And again, I think it's important to think about major projects and wins and successes, but Sometimes employers will also ask you about failures and times when things have gone wrong. So it's important to have those stories and be able to share what you have learned and how you grew in those opportunities. So think about the good and the bad when you think about career stories.
0: You mentioned earlier the dangers of over-preparation, uh, perhaps coming across as scripted in your answers. How much time do you recommend Lorraine, that someone prepare for a job interview. And what are signs that they might be over prepared?
1: I think that it it's going to depend on what kind of interview we're going into. So if this is a first round uh, screening with HR or a recruiter, we're not going to spend a lot of time. We might spend maybe 30 minutes, but it really is very customized to how confident are you going into this? Every person might need a little bit, various, varying amounts of preparation. Now, having said that, if we're going into a second or third round interview, and this is a panel interview and you're meeting with multiple people, you will likely prepare a little bit more than that. It might be one or two hours and you might need to break that up into small chunks, you know, so you don't get too tired, you know, in prepping, you don't want to get worn out. But I would certainly think that it's going to be anywhere from maybe 30 minutes to even a couple of hours, depending on uh, how much you know about the company going into it and how confident you already are and what type of interview it is and how far into this process uh, we, we are. And I, I think in terms of signs, if you're getting weary, just pay attention to how you feel. Are you starting to feel tired? Are you feeling robotic in your answers? Or do you are you still feeling good? You want to walk into an interview feeling good, feeling confident, feeling like you know generally what you want to say, but but that you don't feel like you have to memorize a script. If you start to feel like you're memorizing a script, it, it, we've gone too far. We just want the basic stories and talking points.
0: Well, this is terrific, Lorraine. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, stay with us. Lorraine Rise will continue to share her advice on what to do when you're getting interviews, but no offers. In order to get a job interview, you need a great resume. How good is yours? Ask an expert. Go to maxlist.org/topresume. A top resume writer will review your resume for free. Go to maxlist.org/topresume. You'll get specific tips to make your resume stand out, or you can hire a top resume to rewrite it for you. Go to maxlist.org/topresume. Now, let's get back to the show. We're back in the MaxList studio. I'm talking with Lorraine Rise. She's a coach, a podcaster, and the founder of Career Uprising. Her company helps professionals change careers, launch a job search, and overcome age bias. And she joins us from Northern Virginia. Now, Lorraine, before the break, we we're talking about uh, what to do when you're getting interviews, but no offers. I, I do, you in our first segment, stress the importance of preparation. And I was so glad you did that because, Lorraine, I, I still meet people who tell me they're going to wing it when they walk into an interview room. Uh, is that a good strategy? And could that be a factor in why you're not getting offers?
1: It is a factor for a lot of people. I, I very often hear the same thing as well. For example, a lot of times when I am doing an introductory call with a prospective client and we bring up interview coaching, I hear a lot, oh, no, no, I don't need that. Oh, I'm, I'm really good at interviews. And, and that may be true, <laughs> but it's one of those things where everybody can benefit from practice and everybody can benefit from preparation. And, and I completely agree that We often have this tendency to want to just wing it, um, and and I want to urge people to resist that temptation because here's one specific reason why. Things sound different in our head. For example, we may think that we have all these good answers, and I know how to answer, tell me about yourself and this and that, but if you don't practice it out loud, it's a whole different Ball game. When it comes time to actually speak the words out loud in front of somebody in the moment, that's very different than just you by yourself in your head going, "Okay, this is what I'm going to say." Always say it out loud at least once or twice to yourself, because it's it's very different to speak something out loud than it is in your head. And it's it's so it's good to have that verbal practice to hear your voice, hear your Inflection, your tone, and and even better if you can have somebody um, critique you or listen to you or at least record yourself a few times for timing purposes, but also just to have to be able to hear your voice because sometimes it's different than what we think. And as somebody who does what I do and what you do, we hear our voice on our shows and our recordings. So I have that benefit. But if you don't typically do that, you may be coming across in a way that's different than what you think. So verbally practicing things out loud is good for everybody. And and yes, I would say, don't don't wing it. <laughs> Have at least a little bit of preparation in there
0: for sure. Yeah. The ear is a wonderful editor, not only for helping you prepare for presentations or interviews, but also for writing uh, things that make sense when you're reading them or, or seeing them or they're inside your head. You might have a different perspective on to your point of, when you say them out loud. Another yes. point you brought up in the first segment I want to revisit is uh, because I think it's equally important is mindset. You talked about the importance of mindset. Uh, tell us more about the difference mindset can make uh, when you're in that interview room and, and, and how paying attention to it can increase the likelihood that you'll get an offer after the conversation ends.
1: Of course, we have to remember that. A lot of what an employer is evaluating is us as a person, whether we like that or not. They're not only looking at your qualifications, they are evaluating you and thinking, Can I work with this person? Does this person fit into the culture? Do they have a certain emotional intelligence and communication skills? Those soft skills are incredibly important, and employers are looking for those. And quite often, that is the differentiating factor between somebody who gets the job and somebody who doesn't. If both are qualified, if, if another person, um, just presents themselves better, communicates better, That person's likely going to get the job over somebody else, even if you had the same qualifications. So, going in with that mindset and understanding that they are evaluating you as a whole person and a whole candidate, not just what's on your resume, is very, very important. Um, So, I cannot really overstate the importance of emotional intelligence and being aware of that and knowing what that means and projecting that in your your interviews and some of that is is mindset and confidence and um, and I think another thing too uh, is just to being able to own your strengths and your weaknesses there there is a real challenge that a lot of um, clients have in talking about themselves and feeling okay with that I, I think we're taught, the opposite, that we we shouldn't brag. I hear that all the time from clients. I'm not comfortable talking about myself. I feel like I'm bragging. And uh, that's a mindset, really, because uh, you don't have to go in with that intention. You don't have to go in with the intention of being egotistical and saying things that aren't true. We're not doing that. We're simply going in and sharing the best of our career and our skills and presenting them in the best possible light, but truthful. And there's nothing wrong with that. So cleaning out those cobwebs in your mind and that limiting belief that it's not okay to shine and have strengths and have skills. That belief will hold you back. You really have to be able to be not cocky, but confident, and there is a big difference between those two, and, and that can be the difference between the person who gets the offer and the person who doesn't.
0: When you are helping your clients prepare for interviews, what are your best tips, Lorraine, that you share with them, both to uh, get their mindset in order and to improve their confidence and, and 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 project that confidence? What what have you seen work in the interview room? Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's really important, even if you don't necessarily work with a coach or somebody like myself, although that's very helpful, get help from somebody other than you. Practice a little bit with somebody else or record uh, yourself and then have somebody else listen to it objective outside feedback is really important. It's just good for your growth, for your self-improvement, um, to understand how you may come across to other people. Other people can, can bring about great insights. And I, I, um, Remember, just very briefly, a time way back in my early career, I interviewed for a promotion that I did not get. (laughs) But one of the pieces of feedback that the interviewer gave me that I would never have known was how many times I said the word absolutely. We joked about it. She said it was about 50 times. (laughs) And I had no idea that I had this habit of saying the same word over and over again. And, uh, and I still remember it and and share that story today. So things like that are really important. So I think tip number one is get some outside feedback, whether it's a coach or a family member or somebody else, that's very important. And then I think the second tip, which I I said earlier, but I'll, I want to reinforce again is because it's very important You are a problem solver. You have to view yourself that way. And you have to understand that employers hire for positions because they have problems that need to be solved. If they didn't, they wouldn't open that job requisition. You're filling a need. Know what that need is and feel comfortable sharing examples of it and put on that that mindset or that hat of, I'm a problem solver. These are the problems that I solve and I'm offering that up to this employer. That's what's going to get you hired. No matter how old you are, if you can confidently and articulately demonstrate that you can solve that company's problems, you stand a really good chance of getting the offer.
0: What can a candidate do in the interview to draw employers out about their problems in a professional way that allows for a conversation that will let the candidate show how they would approach uh, overcoming those challenges?
1: Well, I think it's important to, even if they don't necessarily ask you for an example, give an example in your answer. So you can say, you know, if they if they ask you just about, tell me about your customer service or your sales experience, say, let me answer your question by giving you an example or telling you a quick story that should demonstrate what you're looking for. So I want you to tell that story. And in that story, I want you to specifically focus on What was the challenge, which is the problem? What is the action and what is the result? And when I say action, I mean, what action did you specifically take? What was your role? So, if you follow that formula, you're going to be demonstrating to them that you solved a problem and you're going to give them a concrete example of how you did it. And storytelling is very memorable. In fact, research has proven over and over, that we remember stories better than facts. So I don't want you to just list a bunch of facts. I want you to tell a story and you're going to show your, your problem solving ability that way. But don't don't hesitate to offer it. Even if they don't ask, for example, I think sometimes you can still answer the question within an example and that will will go a long way.
0: It's been a terrific conversation, Lorraine. Now tell us what's next for you.
1: Well, there's, um, like you said, uh, we work with mid and late career professionals at career uprising, and there's a number of ways that, uh, you can connect with us. And one of them is a video that I made recently. It's a free training called the career change roadmap. And you can get that on the website at careeruprising.com. That's one thing that I have out there, um, that will walk you through three steps for how to start the process of changing careers at any age. If you're a little overwhelmed and not sure where to start. We'll walk you through those um, three steps. So I think that's that's a great way for people to engage. And that's something new that we've got out there.
0: Well, terrific. Well, thank you for sharing that resource with our listeners. And again, that URL is careerrising.com. And I know you also invite listeners to connect with you on LinkedIn. And as always, I hope they'll mention they uh, heard you on the show when they do send you that LinkedIn invitation. Now, Lorraine, given all the great advice you've shared today, what's the one thing you want a listener to remember about what to do when you're getting interviews, but you're not getting offers? I
1: think the most important thing, if I, if I had to think about all the tips that we have um, shared today, I think the most important thing that I would pull out from that is to be specific in your answers. One good specific answer is worth a hundred generalizations. So we never, ever want to answer a question with, well, that's something that I did all the time. We always want to to share examples. So be a storyteller, be a problem solver, and own your Strengths and your weaknesses. It's important to own both and go in there confident, go in there authentic, and prepare to simply have a conversation with that employer. And I think you'll be successful.
0: Make sure you never miss an episode of Find Your Dream Job. Subscribe to our free podcast newsletter. You'll get information about our guests and transcripts of every show. Go to maxlist.org newsletters. Again, that's maxlist.org newsletters. Next week, our guest will be Larnell Vickers. He's a career coach, executive recruiter, and leadership consultant. Larnell helps you make career moves that increase your income, impact, and influence. It's never easy to learn that an employer has picked another candidate. And sometimes getting this bad news can affect your job search and your career. Join us next week when Larnell Vickers and I talk about how to bounce back from rejection. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job. This show is produced by Max List. Susan Thornton-Hoff schedules our guests and writes our newsletter. Lisa Kislemberry berry Anderson manages our social media. Our sound engineer is Matt Fiorillo. Ryan Morrison at Pondfly Productions edits the show. Dawn Mole creates our transcripts, and our music is by Freddie Trujillo. This is Mac Pritchard. See you next week.